Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to what is our Christmas podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. All of these books, one through nine, are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook. And one through eight to this point in time are available in audio format at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon as well. So do partake of them and you'll make me very happy. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you today? I'm doing great, Bill. Are you ready for Christmas? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I'm definitely ready. It's been a long year. I mean, we've had a couple of long years prior to this, but this year has been long as well. It's getting to be a bit of a grind, is it not? I'd say it is. <laughs> And I'm ready for St. Nicholas rather than Grampus. <laughs> it's one more reason that Christmas is such a wonderful time of the year. It breaks in to an otherwise mundane world and uh, gives us a reason for hope. No doubt about so it. A- Just looking up at the sky tonight when the sun was setting and... Venus and Jupiter and the moon were out. I was like, ah, we're getting into the season yeah. here. And that's it's fantastic. By the way, that was a fantastic picture you sent me the other day. Where was that taken? Oh, that was down at the beach here in uh, Curry Beach, North Carolina. That sunset, a couple, I sent it to a couple of my friends as well as you. And they were like, what kind of camera? What were the settings? I said, no, no. Mother Nature takes all the credit for that one. That was just pulling my phone out of the pocket and pushing the red button. Yeah, no, magnificent work of art. The spectacle that we oh, are yeah. given uh, uh, is, uh, by God Almighty is incredible. It can't be duplicated. That picture, the water was like a mirror. And uh, folks, you of course, you didn't see it. My brother sent me a picture of a beautiful sunset with a a barrage of uh, indescribable clouds mixed with the sun's rays and it was reflecting on the water basically mirroring itself uh one of the 
most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen, and I've seen a million of them. Yeah, I'll put I'll put it up on the fun stuff section of our website because it's a cool photo, Bill, and not because I took it. Again, I did nothing. Like normally, if I'm trying to take a a high quality photograph, I have my digital SLR. I may take like a hundred pictures to get one. This was just like I took my phone out of my pocket and pointed it over there and took one picture, and that was it. It's spectacular. Like just yeah, and you what know, a Kevin, sight. This is I go down to the water quite a bit, and you know I like to fish at uh, sunset. But once again, this is just like a sighting of a Bigfoot. People see something because yes. they're out there looking. No doubt about it. Like I was working like a banshee. And I was like, oh, crap, like the sun's going to set in a minute. And I looked out the window behind me and like I can't get a good view of the sunset out the window behind me here out at the coast. But I was like, oh, it looks like it might be something special. And I jumped in the Bigfoot truck and shot a mile down the road to the end. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. 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 And no. I jumped out, walked down to the end, took a picture. I was like, yeah, that's yeah. something else. That's fantastic. And. What a feeling comes over you when you're in the midst. I was on the beach in uh, uh, Cupsog out in the Hamptons one uh, evening. Uh, Paula and I, I was surf casting, and the sky began to glow yellow, like golden yellow from the sunset. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I mean, it was enveloping me. The sand was yellow. Everything was turning yellow. And we were basking in this light. I, it was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I've never experienced it before or after. And we were the only people there. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible to experience. Yeah, that's very typical out here because a lot less population, Bill. You know, I live on this little tiny island called Pleasure Island. And uh, what's really interesting is it's, it's got the Cape Fear River probably a mile behind me, less than a mile, um, to the west, and then a couple of blocks to the east is the Atlantic Ocean, and the whole island is probably three or four miles long, so it's like it's this own little microcosm of climate and of views, but what's really cool is like last night, that sunset was spectacular. I went straight from there where I took that picture that I sent you over to the Curry Beach Pier and I walked out on the pier and like the 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 sky over the ocean is reflected from the sunset. So I'm looking east mm -hmm. towards like Africa and the sky is pink and the water is pink. And then I'm looking off of the pier, which I know, Bill, you've gone to the. Uh, Curry surf checks camera there and looked at the pier and like four dolphin come by. Wow. Like right in the pink water, a hundred yards tops wow. from where I'm standing on the pier. And I'm the only one out there. Yeah, amazing. It was like, what an, you know, what a period of 30 minutes. Yeah. Just, it's worth, it's you know, worth it just keeps you going. Just keeps you going. Like I had a hectic, hectic day in the virtual office. Not doing Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, but doing my uh, day job. And uh, I was like, wow, look at the sunset. And I'm like, oh, wow, look at these dolphin on the pink water. You know, yeah. so cool. Yeah. No, it's incredible. Anyway. And here we are 24 hours <laughs> later doing the Christmas episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can't ask for more you than that. You can't ask for more than that. So, my brother, what do we have in store for our... Well, 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 because it is the Christmas episode, how do you think I will start this, Bill? I don't know, some type of Christmas poem, perhaps? Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) With some great liberties taken and adaptation taken from the great Clement Clark Moore, (laughs) otherwise known as Clement Seymour, and Twas the Night Before Christmas. I love it. Please, have, have at it, brother. All right. T'was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The trail cameras were loaded and set up with care, in hopes that a large Bigfoot soon would be there. <laughs> the hikers were nestled, all snug in their tents, while vision of Sasquatch danced in their heads. <laughs> and Bill, in his Kevlar vest, and Kev in a cap, had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out of the camp there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the cot to see what was the matter. Away to the tent flap, I flew like a flash, tore open the zippers, and threw up the sash. <laughs> The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to the objects aglow. When what to my wondering eye should appear but a giant sleigh and eight freaky creatures (laughs) (laughs) with a large hairy driver, so smelly yet stealth. I knew in a moment it must be St. Squatch. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Rougarou, now Squatch, now Yeti, now Dogman, on Yowie, on Goatman, on Mothman, and Springheel Jack. (laughs) 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 To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all, (laughs) as dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the mountaintop, the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys and St. Squatch too. And then in a twinkling, I heard up top the trampling and crunching of each huge foot. As I drew in my hand, and was turning around into the cabin. St. Squatch came with a bound. <laughs> he was covered all in hair from his head to his foot, and his odor was strong and would stun many a foot. <laughs> a bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, all scary and red. His cheeks were cold, and his nose like the dead. (laughs) His huge, ugly mouth was drawn up in a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a stick he held tight in his teeth, and the stench, it encircled his head like a wreath. (laughs) He had broad shoulders and was nine feet tall. The cabin shook like jelly 
when he rolled into it like a ball. He was broad and lean, a right angry old beast, and I froze when I saw him, in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to work, and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod out of the cabin he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like a high-powered cruise missile. (laughs) 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 But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. But it sounded like Chinese or Russian gibberish. (laughs) Bravo, old chap. Oh, it's my favorite, Bill. It's my favorite. (laughs) I'm thinking even Spring-Heel Jack would have had a tough time with that other grouping. (laughs) (laughs) Had to throw Spring-Heel Jack in as a bit of Rudolph. Oh, my goodness. Ah, Spring-Heel Jack, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? (laughs) Boing, boing, boing. Boing, boing. He's a bit uh, of a misfit. He's a bit of a misfit and a misfit toy. Yeah. Yeah, I can By see the way, that. speaking of misfit toys, which I know we have been the last couple of weeks when I started out with that bad cold, um, I was reading again about, um, you know, uh, the island of misfit toys. And you remember there was Charlie, who was the Charlie in a box and the choo-choo train with square wheels. And then there was Dolly, which no one could figure out what Dolly, what was wrong with Dolly, the little doll. And I read about it this year for the first time that Rankin Bass talked about it in an interview way back when that Dolly actually had no visible problems, but she actually had psychological problems, which I thought was so cool. You know, like here we are, the Island of the Misfit Toys, and someone has a problem, that's like a psychological problem. Yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> it, it, it was uh, very intuitive. But who would pick up on that? Nobody. I, I right. mean, I wouldn't. You know. My recollection, cool. my, my recollection of the doll, if you would have just asked me, was that there was nothing wrong with her. She wasn't uh, built improperly. I thought she just hadn't been given away. Oh, yeah. So that's good. Good uh, logic. Yeah, that's my my recollection is like she was forlorn because she hadn't been given away as a gift to some little child. There you go. So that was a, a weird thing. But, yeah, you know, I mean, look, uh, people have all kinds of reasons why they write and do what they do and how they speak of it, myself included. So, obviously, Rankin, or Bass, whichever one it was, exactly. had, a little, had a little one, something going on in the back of their head when they created this little character for that scene, you know? I thought it was pretty cool that, like, that much thought went into this little uh, claymation animated story, or whatever it actually is, however <laughs> you describe it, right? You know, it's, yeah. got, it's a cool story, like we talked about. When I was making fun of myself for talking funnier than normal, I know I talk funny anyway, but 
Yeah. When I have mud on my nose, it's even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good stuff. It's a timeless story. And again, you know, it. it I, I don't know. You know, there was something about uh, stories like that. It just got people thinking out of the box for a moment. Uh, this this time yeah. of year about something different, you know, other than themselves or uh, work, money, whatever it may be, you know, sickness. One hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it's all good. Wow, that's great, bro. And speaking of things that are all good, I have a pretty cool sighting here. Well, wait a minute. We what? Got you more. got something else? Of course. Well, go ahead, brother. Hold <laughs> <laughs> <All> tight. <laughs> one of the We're going to talk about one of my favorite Christmas traditions. No, yeah. we're not going to talk about the Star of Bethlehem. Uh-huh. We're not going to talk about St. Nicholas. We're going to bring back the evil what? The Grampus? The Grampus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because you know you why, were... Bill? You can't get enough Grampus. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, I've been stumbling on and literally stumbling uh, doing other things, uh, a picture of a Grampus would show up or something was sent to me and it was a Grampus. You <laughs> and know. it's not by accident. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one is nastier than the other. I mean, oh some of God. these things that just creep out. Dude, uh, you know, I have my, we all have our little bucket list. And quickly rising to the top of my bucket list is to go to Austria during the Christmas holiday. So I can participate in Grampus Knock, <laughs> where everybody dresses up like an evil Grampus and terrorizes the children. Great. I don't really have a desire to terrorize children, but I want to see that this really exists. I'm sure it does. After I mean, yeah. there's so much documented, all the pictures and stuff, but I, it's almost like running with the bulls. Like I want to run with the Grampus. <laughs> Well, here's my hope. If you dress up like a grandpa's, I hope some little kid like Popeye Jr. kicks you in the shins. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe I'll dress up like St. Nicholas and just roam around with the grandpa's. I'll be the good guy. All right. Now that's a fair idea. All right. So a lot of this story comes from our friends at History.com. And they talk about the fact that every year, early in December... Children in Austria, we have that heritage too, Bill, in case you didn't yeah. know. Uh, they get ready for St. Nicholas to come and visit them. And if they've been good, you know, he'll reward them. And we talked about it in a previous podcast. I, I don't know if you participated in it because you were older than me. But for me, it was like December 6th. We would get these gold chocolate coins under our pillow on St. Nicholas night. Uh-huh. Do you remember that, or did you oh, not I get think that? that was, I think that was more when you were a kid. Okay, that's fair. You got chips. <laughs> I got the gold chocolate coins. But that was St. <laughs> Nicholas. But apparently, if they'd been bad, they'd get a lot more than a lump of coal. They'd actually have to face good old Krampus. Oh, boy. And, Bill, what's uh, your favorite evil creature? And I'm 
using favorite as in a sarcastic way. A favorite evil creature? Yeah, like if you met some some type of man with a certain type of head, how would you know it's Satan? Well, uh, the horned beast. Goat head. Yeah, oh, the goat head. Oh, okay. yes. I got where you're going. I got where you're going. So who's Krampus, you ask? He's half man, half goat. Uh, and he comes along every year to scare naughty children and maybe even drag them to hell. <laughs> uh, and do they talk to the children about that? They do. I wonder if... Oh, that is freaking... You know, it's really kind of awful. If you don't behave, the half-man, half-goat is going to come and drag you to hell. Oh. Boy. I'm just wondering. I think in Austria, the kids are much much more well-behaved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that would age. scare the crap out of you if you were like five years old, Bill. Well, yeah, and especially then you go out into the street. And you see Krampus running down the street dragging kids. Like, oh, Oh, my my. God. And some of the costumes, I mean, these are, like, really professionally made. Oh. And uh, some of them look pretty ancient, you know, like they've been around a lot. Oh, they are absolutely terrifying. And I will, again, put some of these images up on the website. But... But, Bill, I mean, that that's it. Like, can you imagine you're sitting there as a little kid, you're hearing about St. Nicholas, and you're like, hey, little Billy, tomorrow night on December 5th or December 6th, whatever date it is, you know, if you're a good boy, you're going to get these gold chocolate coins from St. Nicholas. And if you've been a bad boy... Krampus, the half-man, half-goat, is going to come into your bedroom and drag you to the gates of hell. (laughs) Terrible. Is that bad? Is that bad? (laughs) Yeah, you know, know, Kev, when I was a little kid, of course, you know, Dad flew model airplanes, and you flew model airplanes. I did, I did. Uh, he He had a friend. The guy's name was Doc Howard. He was a doctor. And Doc Howard uh, was in the radio control club, and he drove a little red Porsche. It's mm. probably like a 60, 59 or a 60 Porsche. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was a little kid, and I'd be sitting in the car, and we'd pull up to the uh, model field. And if Doc Howard was there, he would get out of his car I'd come over by the window, like, snarling and with his hands on the glass, like, trying to get me. <laughs> and it used, yeah, yeah. It used to scare the bejeebas out of me. And I was just a little kid, you know, like, who is this freaking madman? And and Dad would be laughing, you know. <laughs> he was just getting ready for the Krampus ritual. Yeah. I think Doc Howard was probably a Krampus. He could have been a Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm telling you, it used to frighten me. Well, that's reasonable, Bill. Somebody snarling yeah. coming up to the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. I think that's I a mean, natural a- response. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow, that's crazy. All right, Bill. So what do you have for us now after I got through Krampus and Twas the Night Before Christmas? Well, I got this... Uh, it, it's definitely a cool account, and uh, it was brought to my attention by Marianne Hubley. 
who at the time was a resident of Southern California. Now, this is what Marianne and her girlfriends, Trish and Janice, three of them, saw while hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. In 2015, my girlfriends and I had seen a movie. It was a screen version of the book, A Walk in the Woods. And we were so enamored with what we had seen that the three of us decided to go for a walk ourselves. It was late June of 2016 that after much planning, Trish, Janice, and I found ourselves in the state of Washington. We were about to commence on a hike on a section of the Pacific Crest Trail in North Cascades National Park. The forest in there was dense and lush, with trees, branches, and brush of all shapes and sizes hanging over the paths. The greenery was in view continually everywhere that you looked. There were huge downed trees at every twisting turn that the trail took. At many points during the walk, we were following a creek which meandered throughout the forest. The three of us were walking now at a fairly good clip, with Trisha having taken the lead. Suddenly, she came to a stop and turned towards us with her finger to her mouth, indicating for us to keep quiet. She then waved to us as if to say, Come to where I am, but slowly. Janice and I closed the gap between ourselves and Trish, to the point where all of us were now together, crouching down behind a group of low bushes. Trisha kept holding her finger to her mouth while mouthing the words, Watch over there. Over there, where she was pointing, was a bend in the creek, which had three logs laying across it, having been placed there as a kind of makeshift bridge in order to cross the creek. There were many such bridges along the trail at different points. Initially, we didn't see anything, but we all kept still and very quiet, waiting and watching for something to happen when without warning, something did happen. A large Sasquatch stepped out of the brush and across the creek in one singular step. At the point where it had stepped across, the creek was some eight or nine feet wide. As it stepped across, it then turned and crouching down by the edge of the creek, started to pick at something in the water, as though it was looking for food of some sort. Why it didn't just walk across is anyone's guess. Perhaps it didn't like the cold water, and the water in the creek was very cold indeed. As with all things in life, timing is everything. Just as we had set eyes on this monster... Janice must have felt something crawling on her neck. With one knee-jerk swat of her hand to get the bug off of her, 
The Sasquatch stood to its feet with its eyes fixed on us. It was only a hundred feet or less away from us. I could see its eyes, dark as two lumps of coal. The Sasquatch didn't move so much as an inch, and neither did we. The creature then started to emit a low kind of grumbling growl, very much like my dog does when she's getting ready to bark, having sensed or seen something in the woods behind my house. The growl was deep, resonant, continuous, and I might add, very frightening to us all. I suddenly felt that we were in imminent danger and that this growl was the warning before an attack. No sooner had that thought entered my mind than did the Bigfoot take three fast leaps in our direction, splashing and stomping its way through the creek, heading directly towards us. Stopping suddenly, it flexed its upper body and began to twist its head around in the air while letting out a whining type of growl, which words cannot describe. It then grimaced, looking directly at us, and emitted a snort like that of a horse. Much to the girl's credit, none of us had so much as flinched while all of this took place. I guess it was all a show of dominancy, for a moment later, the Sasquatch took one step out of the creek, vanishing into the woods. We all stood quietly to our feet, looking intently where it had gone, but we saw nothing. Gradually, we started to backtrack out of the trail, wanting nothing further to do with this monster. The creature was gigantic in every sense of the word, and what it looks like is something entirely unto itself. This was in no way, shape, or form a type of gorilla or human offshoot of any kind. The three of us had agreed that it was more likely than not ten feet tall and all of a thousand pounds or more. At one point during the sighting, its one palm was facing towards me. The palm of its hand alone, excluding the fingers, was the size of a catcher's mitt. The fingers that extended from it were perhaps eight to ten inches in length. It seemed to me at the time when everything was taking place that we were all spellbound, for lack of a better term, which would generally not be the case under such circumstances, particularly as it concerns Janice. She would jump and scream if a raccoon walked into her yard, and yet during this encounter she remained silent, as did all of us. Its fur was very dark and appeared to be a mix of black and brown, which was very hard to distinguish. There was no neck visible whatsoever. When the head turned... The body followed, as though its head was fixed within its body. The muscles of its upper back formed an arch behind the head, 
and it didn't appear to have so much as an ounce of fat on it. As far away as we were from it, we could still smell a strong and foul odor when it was present, which reminded me of raw sewage or the like. Having left the creek, we couldn't hear anything of it walking away, which really was meaningless in that the forest floor was rather damp and soft wherever we were. What do you think of that, Kev? Well, it's in one of my favorite places there, Cascades, Nas- Cascades National Park in Washington State. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had been up in those parts stomping I, around. I have been up in those parts stomping around, and definitely the hairy man could be there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, her description of the surrounding, I'm envisioning this place like the Amazon, you know, I mean, just like dense, lush, dark, sunlight peeking through here or there, you know. Very quiet, Bill. Super quiet. Yeah. 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 That's the place. And this is an area where a number of people, as uh, our audience will hear as we go forward, have had sightings, uh, and nothing could be... One woman described an area she was in as being so saturated with moisture that even on nice days, the trees are still dripping water oh, on the it's forest It's a bit floor. of a... I don't know if it's technically a rainforest, but it's certainly a bit of a rainforest out there in spots. Right. Yeah, but beautiful. But it's that... T- it's that type of environment, though, where even if twigs fall to the ground, they get so soaked no, after a like, while that even they I mean, are. My best example is the Redwood Forest. If anyone's been in the Redwood Forest in Northern California of our listeners, it's like you walk along in the Redwood Forest and it's like even with your hiking boots on and stuff like that, you're walking on this moss. It's like a, the old wrestling mat, Bill, when, you know, we were in high school and you walk on a wrestling mat You'd sink into it, even though you're in the middle of the trail. Like, everything is so quiet. It's like everything Mm -hmm. around you absorbs the sound. You don't hear anything, and you definitely at times get the feeling something might be watching you. Yeah. Yeah, everything's muffled. Exactly. Muffled is a great description. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Uh, it, it is... It is an incredible thing. And again, we hear Marianne mention that even her friend Janice, who is normally, you know, a little hyper, uh, for some reason, in the presence of this creature, even after this thing taking apparently three aggressive, you know, launches towards them, right. they were kind of stupefied. Just kind of like, you know, in this otherworldly kind of way, mesmerized in a moment that you would think would be completely frightening. Right. But, you know, when you when you see something that you know for your whole life was impossible for you to see, and then you realize, like, you know, you're sober and you're standing there and you see it plain as day, that has to be a little mesmerizing. Yeah, and you know what's funny, Kev? You just said mesmerizing after I said yeah. it, but I got to tell you something. Do you know the origins of the word mesmerize? 
It's just kind of uh, simple and uh, and neat. There was a French hypnotist named Mesmer, and the word mesmerized uh, was coined out of his performances. Ah, the Frenchies tricking us. Yeah, to be mesmerized was to be uh, uh, under the power of uh, mesmer. mesmer, kind of the the Kreskin the, of earlier age. Yeah, yeah, but better, different than Kreskin. You remember Kreskin used to, he was very good at like, remember him on the Johnny Carson yeah, show? Yeah, that's all I remember was, you know, late oh, okay. night so seeing him, it. you know. Yeah, he'd open up a book or hand somebody a book out in the audience and ask him to point to something and he'd tell them what they were looking yeah. at. That really was pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mesma was a hypnotist. Fairly well known, I guess more so over there than anywhere else. And the word got coined from his act to be mesmerized. Super cool. I never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little trivia nugget. Very cool. Anyways, so that's it, man. That was a really cool account. Uh, taken out of Washington State, a couple of California girls going for a walk. And running across a little something they didn't uh, foresee. And anything up there in the Pacific Northwest where I used to live, it gets my attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, uh, that's, that's a, a tough neck of the woods to stomp around in. <laughs> you know, it's uh, tough. It's tough being... because you really want to stomp around when you live out there because everybody's out stomping around. You don't see anybody else. Because the states are so damn big <laughs> and it's so rural. But you want to get out there. Right. But then when you're out there in some of these places, you're like, huh, you know, maybe I should be carrying my AR-15. But back then I didn't have an AR-15. Yeah, yeah maybe. maybe. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I think the more people listen to the podcast... Uh, the more the more they come to the realization uh, that my little tagline at the end might actually be some words of wisdom uh, as they find themselves, you know, walking around here or there and wishing they had brought a piece with Especially them. Especially if they've been <laughs> bad this year and Krampus is coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to whack Krampus. <laughs> Yeah, what are you, a wise guy, Krampus? Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> okay, people, don't shoot Krampus. It's probably your neighbor dressed up like Krampus. Probably. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the fun. It could be a half man, half goat. Uh, listen, I don't know how I get all, all, all onto the subject. I was listening to this guy being interviewed who wrote a book. Uh, the name of his book is called Pure Narco, as in narcotics. Okay. He spent 25 years in the business of uh, smuggling and selling cocaine. Large, large quantities of cocaine. And when I was listening to this guy who, who did time, he was arrested while getting a shave in a barber shop in Venezuela. Hmm. And he wound up uh, uh, doing time and is now released and wrote this book, Pure Narco. When I listen to these people, 
and the life they lead and the people they were dealing with, uh, it's just hard to believe that somebody not only could get involved in such uh, activity, but that at some point it wouldn't dawn on you, maybe this is not a good idea anymore. I think I'm going to move somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, honestly, like I'm no expert in that field, but I think you can't get out once you get in. You know, like you're well, in. It may be. You're doing all of the evil stuff, and it's like, can you really quit? I don't know. You know. He made, he made a statement that a friend of his had been killed. Uh, they beat him up, did whatever they did, put him in a 50-gallon drum, filled it with concrete, and dumped him in a river. Well, years later, uh, one of the gang was captured and testified that this had happened to this particular guy and where the drum was. Mm. Well, they went and they got it. And sure as heck, the guy was buried in the concrete in the drum in the river. And they had left the guy's Rolex on his mm. wrist. So this fella had said that when asked, wasn't he afraid that the same could happen to him? He said, you know, I had a philosophy about this while I was doing it. I was always honest and above board in my dealings. The problem with his friend was he had told the uh, members that he had sold 16 keys of cocaine to somebody and he had sold 50. Mm. So the problem was not the illegal activity. The problem was he lied. Yeah. Greed. And for that, for that, it cost him his yeah, life. Greed. Greed, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? So it's just incredible, man. Anyways, I don't even know how I got on that topic. Uh, I don't know, but we're getting back to Christmas, Bill, even if yeah. it's about Krampus. <laughs> so what do we got in our uh, listener mail today? Oh, uh, we got some good letters, Bill. So the first one comes in from Fletcher. And Fletcher gives us a link to uh, uh, some UFO footage that I hadn't seen. And he says, hey, Bill, sure you've seen this one. It's awesome. The Fletch almost finished my encounter for you. Sorry, COVID's been wreaking havoc these last two months. I'm not sure what he means there. He says, enjoy the show, even if your brother is a spy. But I don't know, Bill, did you get a chance to watch this link with the 12... Like UFO like things in formation and the airline pilot filming them and reporting on them? I have not as of yet. You know, oh Kevin. No, Folks, I know, I've but I've I've never seen this full. until it came across Fletch. Uh-huh. And it is super cool. Yeah. I don't know what this is, so we're gonna have to talk about it more after you see it. And I'll do some more investigation on it. Yeah, I'm going to click back into it and uh, have a look at it. I've just been very busy, Fletch. I've got a lot on my plate the past couple of months. And, uh, I, in fact, I apologize to many people. I usually get back to everybody who sends me an email. 
but things have been kind of piling up a little bit, so forgive me, but eventually we're going to normalize again. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. Yep. All right. Our next letter comes from Michael in Georgia, and he says, hello again, WJ and KJ. I just received this video from a friend of mine. Many of my family and friends know I've been a Bigfoot believer for over 40 years, and they send me these clips and links to various Bigfoot stuff here and there. Keeping with your mantra of see something, then say something. I just thought I'd send it your way. Keep up the great work. P.S. I have all of your Bigfoot Terry in the Woods books to support you guys. So keep the podcast rolling. Michael. And this clip, Bill, you probably didn't see this one because it just came in. But it's like as Bigfoot in the daytime, in the in the woods, um, you know, down in Georgia. It looks like Georgia, Florida, with all the southern kind of green leafy plants. But I'm not sure about this one. Like this this might be a little fake. Like it's I just can't tell. I don't see seams or anything, but it just doesn't feel right to me. And you know how that is, Bill. No, and I always say that, you know, Kev, that feeling Yes. Is very much the same as the feeling when something's wrong. Exactly. And you're hiking around and you feel like somebody's watching you. Yep. It's that same intuitive feeling that now look. There's also suspicion, and it takes some practice to understand the difference between being suspicious and being intuitive, because you could be suspicious about the way somebody looks, and it's no fault of theirs that they look that way, and you're making a judgment call on them. Yep. But what we're, we're talking about is something entirely different. It's It's a feeling that something is dire, uh, trouble, you know, danger, that type of thing. Absolutely. And so you saw this picture and you didn't think it... Yeah, I mean, you you got to look at it. We'll talk about it in a future episode, but it just didn't feel right. That's all I can say. It's pretty short. It's pretty quick. Of course, it's shaky, but I'm not going to be critical of it for being shaky. Um, But, you know, I just didn't feel good about it when I saw it. But, you know, again... Thank you, uh, Michael, for sending it in. And, Michael, let us know. What do you think? You didn't comment on it. Like, what do you think of this? Yeah, yeah. We'd like to hear your opinion exactly. on it. <clears throat> interesting. Very interesting. Yep. Thanks, for, uh, thanks for chiming in with us, brother. All right. So Brad writes in. And Brad, his subject is a new show on Bigfoot. But I don't think this is a new show. I think it's one we've seen, Bill. Um, but I'm not being critical of you, Brad, because I know I come across stuff online and and on TV, and I'm like, whoa, that's super cool, and then I find out, like, it's five years old or something like that. But I think this uh-huh. show was out last year. But he says, I-, I came across this new show on the Travel Channel uh, or Disney Plus called Alaskan Killer Bigfoot. The premise of the show is an expedition of four go to Portlock, Alaska, to investigate the former fishing village in which some 70 years prior was attacked violently by a Bigfoot-like creature or creatures. Yeah, Yeah, there are two episodes currently, and stuff happens to the expedition team that first day slash night. If you Mm -hmm. or your listeners have Discovery Plus, you need to check out this show. 
You guys have the best podcast around. You remember that one, Bill? Like that was last year or two years ago, right? Where we saw that because we covered Port Lock, Alaska and that encounter. And I remember like them, they were staying on a boat that was just offshore, like a fishing boat. They'd spend the night on the fishing boat and then they'd go into shore to investigate. Yeah. 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 And I'll tell you what, uh, that was pretty creepy. It was a cool show. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was creepy. And we've discussed this at length. Not once, but twice. The people went back and tried to re-inhabit that place and get it jump-started again and left the second time. Yeah. So there was definitely a presence there uh, that was making it known that no humans are welcome here. You shouldn't hang out here. Yeah, not a good place for you. All right. Cool. And you know something, Kev? That harkens back to uh, uh, the goblin in uh, Teddy Roosevelt's book that we were just talking about. Yeah. That creature was none too happy about those guys coming in there right from the get-go. Yep. It it wasted no time making itself known and inevitably killing Bauman's partner. Probably would have killed Bauman. Yep. Crazy, huh? Very cool. Wow. All right, here we go to Caroline. And she's writing in about Picket Night and the Vermont Pig Man. She says, hello, Bill and Kev, and happy holidays. Thanks for reading my note on air in episode 112. I'm the roving nomad in a Jeep who was at last, who was at that point in Kansas. But I listened to your last podcast about the Vermont Pig Man while conveniently I was driving to Vermont for a pretty rad ski day at Killington. Mm-hmm. And Caroline, I have skilled at Killington, and awesome that you were on your way to a rad ski day. She mm-hmm. says, I even drove straight through Whitehall, New York. I didn't get <laughs> creeped out, but then again, I didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said, Caroline. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. Done that. And she says, I'm sure another listener has pointed this out to you by now, but I wanted to clarify your curiosity about the phenomenon called Picket Night that was mentioned in the legend of the Vermont Pigman. As you mentioned, Picket Night is the night of October 30th, and at least at the time, which I believe was in the 1950s, was known as a night for pranks and mischief. Well, I'm from New Jersey. Home of the Jersey Devil, although he lives about an hour to the southeast of where I grew up, and we so referred, you think, <laughs> and we referred to October thirtieth as Mischief Night. It's still hmm. a thing, and reportedly in the day or so leading up to Mischief Night, the local grocery stores won't sell eggs or toilet paper to people under eighteen. You can guess why. In Michigan, they have something similar, and they call it Devil's Night. The classic short-lived TV show, Freaks and Geeks, which took place in Michigan and launched the careers of actors like Seth Rogen and James Franco, has an entire episode about Devil's Night. I've never heard of it called Picket Night, though. To be clear, we never sacrifice pigs on Mischief Night. And Caroline, I'm guessing you never like carved out a pig's head and wore it over yours. 
<laughs> and I knew some pretty weird people, so I'm fairly sure I would have known if it was happening. But it's an extremely regional phenomenon, and people outside the places where it's a thing are totally unaware of it. I didn't realize this until I went to college, and I was astounded to find out that almost no one else knew what Mischief Night was. Anyway, now you know. Keep up the great work. I'm still crossing my fingers that you'll do an episode about the mountain lion's alleged return to the Northeast. I know it's not exactly a cryptid, because it's a flesh-and-blood creature whose existence is very much <coughs> confirmed. But speaking from experience, after coming, cr- coming across a mountain lion about two weeks ago while hiking in Utah, I can confirm it would definitely be a creep fest. Caroline. Wow. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely cool. I like the way she says it lives an hour away from me, and I'm like, yeah, so you think. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about that. Hello. Get ready, Caroline. Caroline, coming to a house near you. Yeah, yeah. When you hear the claws scratching down the glass. Whose <laughs> oh. red eyes are looking in my window? You don't mind if I come in, do you? I just want to use your telephone. <laughs> All right, Bill, and our last letter comes in from Dwayne. From Virginia. And the subject, Uh appropriately, is Merry Christmas. Uh He says, hey, Bill and Kevin, just wanted to wish you both a Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday Season. I look forward to the podcast every week, and I am the proud owner and reader of all nine volumes. Mm. Incidentally, it sounds like Kevin may get a chapter in Volume 10 if he continues to play that golf course out in Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) You may be right, Dwayne. (laughs) My wife gave me a Fleur thermal, Thermal Imager for my birthday a couple of months ago. And I'll be wow. headed back to the Monongahela National Forest next next month. If I see wow. something, I'll definitely say something. Keep up you the great work, it, Dwayne. What a great gift, huh? Fleer night vision scope. Jeez. I gotta... And that Monongahela is a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, you said it better than I did. I know what it is, but when I came across it, I was uh, like, what the heck? Yeah, no, that's crazy. Is man. it too late to ask for a FLIR camera for Christmas? Uh, you're not asking me, are you? Well, <laughs> I, I'm afraid Krampus is coming. Yeah, well, <laughs> good luck with that, bro. <laughs> Light a candle, leave it by your window. <laughs> Hello, Krampus. <laughs> Well, brother, what do you have to say to our audience? Well, I just want to say thank you so much for your support during this last year. I know we get so many letters here in 2021 and in 2020, for that matter, that you you thank us for getting you through the pandemic. And I want to thank you for getting us through the pandemic and wish all of you a happy holiday and a Merry Christmas. And I sincerely hope that St. Nicholas comes to your door rather than Krampus. <laughs> and yes, folks, it is Christmas. 
and we've all had a rough year, haven't we? But at this time of year, we can think of other things. We can focus on peace, joy, love of our fellow man. And perhaps some of us, if not all of us, can focus on the birth of a small child in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And so in the spirit of Christmas, from my family to your family, and from Kevin's family to yours as well, I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Ho 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 ho! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Ha 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 ha